Forgotten Quarterbacks, hosted by W. Earl Kitchings. Our podcast is dedicated to preserving the legacies of black quarterbacks who've played the game of American football. And now, here's your host, W. Earl Kitchings. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Forgotten Quarterbacks. I'm your host, W. Earl Kitchings. As usual here at the Forgotten Quarterbacks, we like to bring you the latest news or information that we can find. Definitely going to bring you some history and, and increase your knowledge about the men who have played the game of American football here on the Forgotten Quarterbacks. But uh, we're going to make sure you know who these black quarterbacks were, because as the most iconic position on the football field, we want you to know that there were many young men who played this game, left their markers on the field, made some history, and we don't ever, and I want to emphasize ever, want their legacies or their history or their accomplishments to ever be forgotten. And if you are interested in finding out more about who we are, Follow our website at quarterphiback, quarterphiback.com. And if you'd like to drop us a line, you can go to quarterphiback at yahoo.com. We have a very interesting website. We have some very interesting things that we're doing. We have, we are the only organized entity that provides a national award for the top quarterback from an HBCU and the top black quarterback from high schools around the nation. So we are working to let our mission go forth and we hope that you will spread the word about who we are, how you can get involved, how you can follow us on our podcast, how you can go to our website and read more about who we are. As a matter of fact, you can even get a copy of our book, The Forgotten QBs and find out more information about who we're talking about on a regular basis. And also when you go to our website, if you click on the menu and click on blogs, you will find our newsletter, the post route. So you can read about, see images of, and see the stats of these guys. Because what we've done with that newsletter is to compile school by school, um, organization by organization. I mean, from that CFL, NFL, USL, FL, XFL, Arena League. We, we're making our, our business to cover all these organized pro sports, but specifically making you aware of the guys who played the game of college football because that's where it's pretty juicy. So now, today, we're going to bring you what I think is probably one of the most diverse groups of quarterbacks that we've seen and they that you maybe have never heard of or know about simply because if you're on the East Coast, you know, things on the West Coast are very delayed. You don't always hear about them. And if you're on the West Coast, sometimes that great information that's out there is slow to get to the mainstream media outlets and major cities. But today we're going to talk about the 
Stanford University black quarterback legacy. And it's not one that is very, very deep in the number of guys who've been at that position at Stanford. But the diversity of it is unbelievable. And this diversity happened in a very short window. I mean, it happened in a matter of six years. In a matter of six years, they had seen the most diverse group of quarterbacks to ever come and play that position at any college ever. And I, and I say that and qualify that by saying two of these gentlemen come from backgrounds that are not prominent in the sport of football. One has a Native American background and one has a Mexican American background. And when you hear about those two gentlemen and the the two black quarterbacks who've played at Stanford, you will understand why I say when we talk about diverse, I mean, diversity, um, not too often you'll see this. And when I think about that, I think about the fact that there have been a couple of other Native American football players who have played the position of quarterback. And we will probably get to those at another time in another show. Uh, just so you'll know that the first guy we're going to speak about is probably the first, but was not the last. And just so you know who some of these other guys were. So when I was doing this research for our newsletter, the post route, it reminded me of one of the sports movies that I saw when I was growing up. And it was called Jim Thorpe, All-American. Now, many of you who may not know who Jim Thorpe was, uh, go talk to your, your grandparents or your, or your, your great-grandparents, depending on their age. But Jim Thorpe was a Native American who came off the reservations to go to a college called Carlisle. Carlisle was a college that was primarily structured for Native Americans. But Jim Thorpe could do any and everything he wanted to do in the world of sports. Phenomenal football player at running back and punter. Phenomenal baseball player and a phenomenal track athlete. As a matter of fact, in the movie, they show a track meet where Carlisle shows up at the track meet with just two participants. Jim Thorpe did everything from under a mile and another Native American did everything a mile and above. Uh, Jim Thorpe sprint, did the sprints, long and long jump and high jump. 
But when I talk about this diversity at Stanford University, we want to start off with the guy by the name of Dave Lewis, David Dave Lewis, the first minority quarterback to earn a starting position from the years of 1964 to 66. He was from the Chuck Kachanis Yurkotich tribe. Chuck Kachanis, I'm sorry, I'm pronouncing that incorrect. Chuck Chancy Yokoch tribe. And he arrived in 1954, uh, 64, excuse me, and played in one of the most touted games, which was the rivalry game between Stanford and the University of California. And he led the Cardinal to a win. His best season came in 1965 when he passed for over 1,200 yards and posted a 6-3-1 record. He would go on to be drafted by the New York Giants as a punter. Played also was on the roster of the Cincinnati Bengals before finally moving on to the CFL. Dave Lewis, a Native American playing at a school on the West Coast. And between the Midwest and the West Coast, the opportunities for minorities to be allowed to participate in their team sports was just a good thing during those times. So, Mark down Dave Lewis. The next gentleman to arrive to Stanford was a guy by the name of Gene Washington. Ironic, there was a Gene Washington who played football at Michigan State in the mid-60s, but these aren't the same two guys. Same name, but not the same two guys. But Gene Washington arrived from Long Beach, California playing at Long Beach Polytech and became the first black quarterback in the program's history. And he would see some time as the starter quarter starting quarterback in his sophomore season before switching to wide receiver. So he switched Probably because the guy who came to Stanford and became the quarterback going into his junior year is probably, no probably, well probably because of course some people might say John Elway was the most prolific quarterback from Stanford. But Jim Plunkett, Jim Plunkett arrived at Stanford and became the starting quarterback in 1967, 60, no, let me see. Yeah. 1967, 68, excuse me, 68. Jim Plunkett was born to Mexican American pa- parents, which also included a native American 
ancestry on his mother's side. And he quickly, quickly became a top-notch signal caller. And it didn't take long for him to identify his favorite receiver, who was the quarterback, you know, a year or so before. Plunkett to Washington became one tandem in the Pac-10 as it was back then on the American college landscape that was very profound. So profound that Plunkett earned all the top quarterback honors, including the Maxwell Award, Player of the Year Award by several publications, the Voight Memorial Trophy, and he was selected the 1970 Heisman Trophy winner. Now, again, like I said, you will probably have some people who would respond differently. But for some, they say that Jim Plunkett was the best Cardinal quarterback in the history of the program. And the folklore about him is phenomenal. Jim Plunkett would go on to start an NFL career with the New England Patriots. That did not work out for him, and rightfully so. He returned to his home state, went to the Oakland Raiders, and led the Raiders to a Super Bowl championship. Jim Plunkett. And Jim Plunkett wasn't a small guy either. He's about six foot four, maybe about 225, and he could deliver the football. So when we talk about diversity, when we talk about schools who have had diversity at the position of quarterback, not just a black quarterback, but we're talking about a school that allowed a Native American and a Mexican American to be the face of their team from the position of quarterback. We just had to share that history with you because those three guys in a span from 1964 to 68 through 70, I mean, that's six years, six, seven years. I mean, sometimes it took some schools decades before they got their first black quarterback or their second black quarterback. Here is Stanford in a matter of six years making diversity in college football work. And hats off to that administration during that time. Hats off to John Ralston, who was the coach of the Stanford Cardinal at that time. Now, I want you to know that Gene Washington was no slouch quarterback. He probably could have maintained backup position probably to Plunkett, but because he was so talented, and of course many times this is why you see these position changes, a guy who's a quarterback getting switched over to a receiver, first and foremost, there's the speed. Second and foremost, there's the ability to catch and run with the football after they catch it to elude players. Their talent level was just that good. However, 
we here at Quartify Back don't always agree with that mindset because if he could be the quarterback one year, he could be the quarterback every year. But again, if there's a contest to find out who's the best, that will help determine based on skill and talent and mental capacity. Then if it's just going to be judged on those things alone, so be it. So those three guys were at Stanford during that integration time as college football was going through it at a level where it was just more than one or two guys. Now, the last guy to be a black quarterback at Stanford is a guy by the name of Chris Lewis, second black quarterback at Stanford. And and like Gene Washington, he was from Long Beach, California, and he too played at Long Beach Polytech High. Now, if you've never heard of Long Beach Polytech High, you should do yourself a favor and just do a little research. They're one of the top-notch programs out there on the West Coast. He was a Gatorade National Player of the Year uh, in his senior season. And in his four years at Stanford, he played in a backup role before being named a starter in his junior season. His two biggest games were comeback games against Oregon, where they beat Oregon, and against UCLA. And UCLA was ranked fourth in the nation at the time. The reason why Chris Lewis did not have a longer career because of injuries and those injuries affected his playing time and during his junior and senior seasons combined, he would miss a total of nine games. But Lewis threw for 4,346 yards and 33 touchdowns. Plunkett threw for 7,809 yards and 53 touchdowns. And Dave Lewis threw for 1,931 yards and eight touchdowns. Gene Washington, being that he didn't play quarterback very long and they probably weren't throwing the ball very much, compiled only 479 yards and four touchdowns as a quarterback. But he wrote his name in the Stanford record books as probably the most prolific receiver in school history. So those four gentlemen are the legacy for Stanford University. And ironically, as I mentioned in another podcast, Tyrone Willingham became the coach at Stanford uh, somewhere in the 80s and 90s. And he was the quarterback at Michigan State. Back in the 70s. So diversity has been a part of Stanford University's call because while Willingham was the first black court uh, coach, uh, he was not the last. As a matter of fact, their last black head coach just recently, I believe, is, is leaving that position and moving on. But To know that a program was so open to allowing such diversity to happen is phenomenal. And of course, 
we want you to know that you heard about it first here on the Forgotten Quarterbacks. And we must emphasize that that is our mission to preserve the legacies of a David Lewis. And while he may not be black, he would still come under that umbrella of being a minority because there weren't many guys who were Native American who played quarterback. I, there are three of them, in, including him, and we'll talk about those in another show. I don't recall there being too many Mexican-American quarterbacks in college football, especially to went on to have an outstanding pro career. So we at Quarterfied Backs want to make sure that any minority, but specifically black quarterback, who has put down some type of history and or legacy in American football gets recognized. Because had we not brought you this podcast about Stanford University, you would never know about a Dave Lewis. We'd like to thank you for joining us here at the Forgotten Quarterbacks. That's going to do it for, for me today on the show this time. But we remind you, go to our website, quarterfiedback.com. Click on the menu and click on blogs to check out our newsletter. Or just read through the history of what we're doing, the Bilt Memorial Trophy and who that's named after, and any of the other information that is on our website. Or if you like, write us and get your copy of the Forgotten QBs, our book about black quarterbacks who've played this game of American football. For my producer, director, and engineer, Mr. Deterion Sturgill, we would like to thank you. We'd also like to thank the Anthony Lawrence Collection for being one of our supporters and sponsors. If you're looking for HBCU gear, go to the AnthonyLawrenceCollection.com and find what you need there. Until the next time, when we bring you more about black quarterbacks from the Forgotten Quarterbacks, I'm W.R.L. Kitchen saying so long. And as always, go for the bomb. Take care. Thank you for joining us here on the Forgotten Quarterbacks with host W. Earl Kitching. Join us as we discuss more about the legacies of black quarterbacks who've played the game of American football. 